My name's Steve. I'm the executive pastor at Genesis Church. I'm so glad that you joined us for Christmas Eve. And I say that uh, in a heartfelt, genuine way. When, and when I say that, I realize that means you're gonna think everything else I say is not heartfelt and genuine. It is, I promise. But um, when you schedule, when Christmas Eve is on a Monday and Christmas is on a Tuesday and you start brainstorming with your team, like when are we gonna have Christmas services? And you think, well, you know, everybody wants to come on Christmas Eve. Will anybody even come on Sunday? And so to look around and see this great crowd, I'm so thankful for you guys that decided to come today, but I just need you to reassure me, like there's gonna be people here tomorrow too, right? Because... <laughs> I think everybody's here today. Hey, if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter two. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one of these that looks like this on the floor somewhere around you. You can go ahead and grab that one. And if you don't own a Bible, please take this one with you. It's our gift to you today. Um, we just want you to be able to be in God's word every day. It's page 716 in this Bible. Again, it's Luke chapter two. Kids, we got kids in the room. Make some noise, kids. Okay, so kids, there's a kid's Bible, a kid's adventure Bible on the floor, and it's on page 1,124 in the kid's adventure Bible. It's here. It's Christmas. Kids, are you excited for Christmas? Yeah. Parents, are you excited for Christmas? Yeah, what's that? Oh, yeah, good. A lump of coal. Dad's going to get a lump of coal. That's good. Well, let, let me ask you, what's, what's one gift you're excited about? Dan, you want to tell me one gift you're excited about? An Xbox, uh-huh. What about, what about everybody else? You excited about something? Shout it out. Diamonds. Diamonds. That wasn't a kid that answered that, by the way. What? Money. A Nintendo Switch. I knew that would come up. Yeah, we're excited about gifts. Usually when we get gifts, we're excited about what we get, right? But have you ever gotten a gift and looked at it and, I mean, it's not exactly what you want. And so because you're a decent human being, you say, wow, thank you so much. But once the person who gave it to you turned around, you're like digging through the box for the receipt. Like, did they give me the receipt so I can take this back, right? It's one of those uh, gifts that maybe uh, when you see that it doesn't have the receipt, you think, oh man, what am I gonna do with this thing? I can't return it, I don't know what to do. And then you think, I got the office Christmas party coming up. I'll just re-gift it, right? We're in this series called Re-Gift. We've been talking about these gifts that we get that we wanna give back away uh, and, give, uh, and give away. But we've also said there are some gifts that we're supposed to re-gift. So re-gifting, if you're not familiar with the term, is this. When you get a gift and you don't love it, and you can't return it, you give it to somebody else. You pass it on. And usually, we don't intentionally re-gift. It's like the opportunity just kind of sneaks up on us, right? I've got that party coming up. I, don't, I forgot to buy anything, and so I'll search around the house and look for what I may have. And so there are gifts that you receive that maybe you don't want to hold on to. And so um, this is a great example. Uh, my wife got this this week. This is um, a, a velvet portrait of Jesus. She got this as a gift uh, and actually, the funny part about this is not so much the portrait is that it says uh, it's a hand painting. It's a self-portrait. <laughs> and I don't think that's true. But if you get a gift like this, that may be something you want to re-gift. So intentionally, sometimes we have intentional re-gifting parties, right? You might call them uh, White Elephant or Dirty Santa or, or Yankee Swap, right? And so we have these parties where you're intentionally supposed to re-gift. And so that, the idea there is you get a gift and... You, in general, your rule is to try to get rid of it, right? You want to stay in the game. And so you get this gift and you hold it out in front of you and say, oh, look how beautiful this gift is. Doesn't anybody want to steal this from me? But one year, uh, for several years, our connection group had a regifting party, a, a white elephant party. And we got this gift that we decided, uh-uh, we're holding on to this one because it's a white elephant. <laughs> 
And we got this during the white elephant party. And so this white elephant has been in our dining room ever since then, right? So sometimes you get these gifts that you want to regift, and sometimes you get gifts that you don't want to regift. But what we've said during the series is there are some gifts that you're supposed to regift. There are some gifts that get better as you pass them around. In fact, there are some gifts that we get, and especially at Christmas, we think about these gifts, that you don't fully experience them until you give them away. Gifts like hope and joy, and this week we're talking about regifting peace. And so if you have your Bibles open to Luke 2, I want to read this part of the Christmas story. It's from Luke 2, verse 8 is where we're going to start. You guys know what's happened to this point, right? Uh, Mary and Joseph have come to Bethlehem, to the town of David. They've delivered this baby, and then we see this scene happen just outside of Bethlehem. Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and on earth, peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, right away, I wanna direct you to direct your attention to these words. Um, it says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And it's interesting that the author here, Luke, mentions this manger three times in 20 verses. He talks about this place, the manger, and I think as a result of that, we've kind of made the manger the centerpiece of what Christmas is all about, but we can tend to miss the point here. It's like when you try to, my, my um, I love my dog, but she's not very bright, and sometimes when you try to show her something, you try to point to her, what does she look at? She looks at your finger, right? Like, I'm trying to show you something over there. Huh? Okay. And I think sometimes when Luke talks about the manger, we have a tendency to like look at the manger. And when we do that, we miss the point. Author N.T. Wright says that we're kind of the same way when we look at this passage, that we focus on the manger. He says, to concentrate on the manger and to forget why it was mentioned in the first place is like the dog looking at the finger. Instead, the manger was there because it told them which baby they were looking for. The angels are telling the shepherds, hey, it's not just any baby. There's one particular child that you need to look for. If you're looking for peace, you need to find this one child. This child is Jesus. In fact, we could sum up the message of the angel something like this. I put this in your notes if you want to follow along. Where there is Jesus, there is peace. Where there's Jesus, there's peace. If we're looking for peace, we have to find Jesus first. Because we'd all love to have peace in our lives, Right? I mean, just even in our own hearts, wouldn't we love to have peace at Christmas time? Peace from our mistakes, peace from our weaknesses, peace in our relationships, peace from an uncertain tomorrow. I mean, maybe you've recently had a doctor's visit and the results weren't good. Maybe you're worried about our country and the direction that we're headed. Maybe you're worried about family, about friends, about what you're gonna do for college. And you don't have a whole lot of peace about that. You know, when we think about peace, um, we often think about a lack of conflict, right? But peace that the angels talked about is so much more than that. And when we talk about peace on a more personal level, we don't think about maybe lack of war, we think about lack of noise, right? 
there's probably some parents in the room that would just love to have some peace in your house. I know that was the case in our house many years ago when our kids were little. We focused on keeping the noise level down to an acceptable level, right? That was peace for us. But the peace that Jesus brings is so much more than that. In fact, isn't it true that some of the most tension-filled moments in your lives are silent? The word that is usually translated peace in the Bible, the one that the angels uh, likely spoke uh, to the shepherds would have been the Jewish word, the, uh, the Hebrew word shalom. It's the same word that was predicted about Jesus more than 700 years before his birth by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 6. And if you have ever received a Christmas card, you probably know this verse. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And there's really so much in that verse that is helpful and good for us. But what I wanna focus on is those last three words, prince of peace. That prince of peace is the original is the, is the Hebrew word, sar shalom, sar shalom. Sar meaning prince or leader or ruler and shalom meaning peace. And that word shalom, like I said, it's more than just a silent night. It actually is a very holistic word and it means wholeness or completeness. Like peace is where uh, shalom is where everything is right in the world. Everything is in its place. It's true peace, right? Don't we all long for that kind of peace? Don't, don't we all want, desire shalom? And the angel said that true peace could be found only in one child. And it was in this manger in Bethlehem that the coming of Jesus ushered true peace, true shalom into the world. I know that's true in my life. There was a time in my life where I had quite a temper. Uh, even into the early years of my marriage, I would occasionally explode at the dumbest little things. But then I met Jesus and I accepted his forgiveness. And now those little things, they just don't get me anymore. I've got one example I wanna share with you. And if you've been here for a long time, you've probably heard this story. So just bear with me, I'm sorry. But I have to tell it today because it's a Christmas story, at least in the same way that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and that it happened at Christmas. Um, it was Christmas Eve one night and my wife is an early to bed, early to rise kind of person. I'm a late to bed, later to rise kind of person. And so when my wife goes to bed is when I go get her Christmas presents. And Christmas Eve, she had gone to bed. I went out to the car and got her Christmas presents and I failed to realize I didn't close the garage door. And so Christmas Eve, our garage door was left open and Christmas morning we wake up and this is before kids. So you can have that leisurely wake up and eat breakfast and do all the things you wanna do before you open your gifts, right? Can't do that when you have kids. Um, and so we start to make breakfast. I go to turn on the water in the kitchen and no water comes out of the faucet. So I think, oh, what's going on? And I open the door to the garage. And of course, right away, I notice the garage door's open. It's dropped to about five degrees that night. And the pipes in our garage are frozen solid on Christmas morning. And so um, what do you do? You know, you're not gonna get a plumber today, right? And I have, I got some mad skills when it comes to plumbing, um, not. Uh, but I figure I can at least solve this problem because I know what's going on. And so I close the garage door. I bring a baseboard heater out in the garage. I think, honey, I just say, honey, it's just gonna be a few minutes. We'll get those pipes thawed out and then we'll start to get water in the house and we'll have breakfast. And so I do that. And about 10 minutes later, I open the door of the garage only to see a stream of water shooting across our garage, across both of our cars um, and to the garage wall. 
And I realized that what's happened is our pipes have not only frozen, but one of them's burst. And uh, we're not going to have any water today because there's no plumber coming on Christmas morning. And so I say, well, okay, I think I can figure this out because it was like at our water softener. And so there's a way to get around it. You know, I just have to figure this out. So I said, just give me a few minutes. Um, I'll get some, we'll get some water going in the house. And about five minutes into this project, my wife uh, very slowly opens the door to the garage and pokes her head out. And she says, are you Okay. And I said, yeah, why? And she goes, because you're whistling. And I realized in that moment that something had happened in my life because five years earlier, I would have been screaming and probably cussing at the water pipes that didn't have anything to do with why my life was so bad this morning, right? But instead I was whistling, I was actually whistling a worship song. And I realized that something has happened in my life that the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom had come into my life and brought peace and wholeness to my life. It happened for me and it can happen for you too. And see, here's the truth about peace. We can't re-gift peace until we experience that peace for ourselves. And you can't have true peace until you meet with the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, Jesus Christ. And so uh, I just wanna spend this morning talking about three ways really quickly that Jesus brings us peace. And again, these are in your notes if you wanna follow along. There are three ways that Jesus brings peace. And the first one is this, he brings peace to my soul. You know, this is all about making things right between me and God. The apostle Paul wrote this way in Romans 5. He said, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. He says, we have peace. We've been justified. We've been saved through faith, through our belief. He's he's saying, Jesus died for everyone, but everyone doesn't get the benefits that it's not automatic. You don't automatically get peace with God just because he died for your sin. You don't get peace with God because your mom is a Christian, right? You don't get uh, saved from judgment because your grandfather played piano in the church or because your wife or your husband is a believer, that you have to make that decision to believe. You have to have faith in God. And for so many of us in this room, we've made that decision at some point in our lives. We've become followers of Jesus because of something that Jesus did in our lives. And that's why you're here today. Jesus has done something in your life. And for the first time in your life, you have peace with God. But some of us, some of us don't have that. We don't have that peace in our soul of knowing that things are right with me and God. Some of you have been running around and it's kind of like having a check engine light on your dashboard. You know, um, my wife, uh, I'd get in her car every once in a while. One time I remember getting in her car. I hadn't driven it for about three weeks. And I said, honey, the, the check engine light's on. How long has that been on? And she said, oh, I've never really noticed that. <laughs> she does so many things well, guys. Really, she's awesome. It's just not something she looks at sometimes. And I think a lot of us run around in our lives, in our bodies, and in our spirits with that check engine light on. And we just ignore it because we think, you know what? It'll go off. You know what? It probably isn't that important. And so we run around like that and we don't have peace in our lives. And many of you are running around with your check engine light glowing bright yellow. Just like you would bring your car to a mechanic, you need to bring yourself to the manger. Go see the Sar Shalom. Go meet the Prince of Peace and he can bring uh, peace to your soul. The second way that Jesus brings peace is he brings peace to my relationships. This is the part about us re-gifting peace. That one of the gifts that we can bring to the world is to be a peacemaker, right? Now, sometimes, even those of us who follow Jesus, sometimes we like to be peace breakers, right? Because when you're dealing with customer service on the telephone, sometimes being a peace breaker works. 
just this week, I got a, an electric bill for $200 from an apartment that I don't live in anymore. And I called customer service and they were very sweet and very nice and, and very patient, but not at all helpful. And so sometimes you got to raise a little ruckus like to, to get even to the next level of supervisor, right? Sometimes being a peacebreaker works, and so we like to be a peacebreaker. But sometimes you yell and scream at the poor customer service people, and they get so tired of you that you get what you want. And sometimes it doesn't work at all. Like the time I was at an airport dropping my wife and kids off for a flight, and the lady at the gate next to us missed her flight. And she missed it by a short enough time that the door had just closed and the plane was still sitting there. And so she thought she could probably talk her way onto the airplane. And since there was no gate agent there, she came over to our gate and kind of barged her way in front of us, which was fine. We weren't in a hurry. And started yelling at the customer service lady standing on the ground to try to get on the plane that was sitting on the runway. And when she couldn't get any satisfaction, she decided she would be a peacebreaker. And she ran down to the gate and started pounding on the door to the jetway. Now, I don't know if you know this, but on September 11, 2001, something happened in this country that kind of changed airline security for for everyone, and you don't pound on doors in airports and yell and scream. And it turns out that this woman had been in the bar and had missed her call uh, three or four times to get to the gate because their flight was leaving. Um, but two very nice, very friendly security guards came and reminded her um, of why she had missed her flight, which was really nice. <laughs> it pays to be a peacemaker. He can bring peace to our relationships. Romans 12, Paul says it like this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I know there's a couple of, like, um, of escape clauses in this verse, right? If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, what Paul seems to be saying in this is if there's any conflict in your life, if there's any place that peace doesn't exist, your job, if you're a Christian, your job is to make sure it's not your fault, Right? Like that even if you only own 10% of the fault of that conflict, think about what is that 10%? And then repent of that. Apologize for that. You know, maybe we're all busy shopping for Christmas gifts, but maybe the best gift you can give this Christmas is to forgive a debt that someone owes you. Maybe the best gift you can give this Christmas is to uh, forgive, is to apologize for something that you've done. Yeah. He can bring peace to our soul. He can bring peace to our relationships. And the third way Jesus brings peace, the Prince of Peace, is he brings peace to my future. Will I finish my education and get that job that I've always been hoping for? Will my marriage last? Will it ever be as great as I thought it could be when I said I do? Will I have enough money to retire, to send my kids to school? Will I have enough money just to live the rest of my life before it runs out? You know, lack of money is almost always a cause of a lack of peace. But in Matthew 6, Jesus tries to set us straight and reminding us what we should focus on. Matthew 6, 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the non-Christians, the non-believers, the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. So if we're not supposed to chase after those things, what should we do? We'll seek first, he says, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Head back to the manger. Head back to the place the angels pointed us. He says, come and see the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace who God sent for us. You know, at, at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus, the baby. The fact that God chose to send his one and only son to earth on that silent night in the most helpless form imaginable that of a little child, that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords was completely dependent on a young woman and her fiance for his very survival. But to truly bring peace, Jesus couldn't stay a baby. He had to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He had to live a perfect sinless life as an example for us to follow. And then he had to take on all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of your mistakes, all of your failures. Jesus took those on at the cross and he was nailed to the cross because of them. But then when he was taken down and put in the tomb, your mistakes and your sin and your failures, my sin and my failures, they stayed on the cross. They didn't go with him. He went into the tomb without them. And then three days later, he was raised from the dead to show that God can overcome anything in your life or in my life, even death itself. See, the manger doesn't mean anything without the cross. The virgin birth is meaningless without the gruesome death and resurrection. And now Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom is sitting at the right hand of the God and he's interceding on your behalf. He's praying for you right now. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he's praying for any situation that's happening in your life right now. He's praying for that Christmas dinner you don't wanna go to. He's praying for the, the things that are happening in your life after the holidays that you have so much uncertainty about. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, he's praying that desperately that you would come to know him and accept him as Lord and Savior. And one of the really cool things about the Christmas story is that we're still living in the middle of it. Like we're still here because Jesus promised he's coming back. That one day he'd be back for us. That he's coming to rescue his people. And that may seem really far-fetched to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not in church very much, you think, oh, these people are crazy. They think this guy's coming back. But let me just tell you this. Coming from a man who fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. Coming from a man who several times predicted his own death and resurrection. Coming from someone who appeared to over 500 people after he was raised from the dead. Well, when that guy says he's coming back, I'm gonna stick with him, okay? Because you can't just follow anybody. You can't just follow any baby. You have to come as the baby who was in the manger. You have to follow the baby who was in the manger because on that silent night, the whole world changed. Time changed. I mean, 
time as we know it, stopped counting down from BC and started counting up from AD. And all because the son of God came to earth to rescue us from ourselves and bring peace to our souls and peace to our relationships and peace to our futures. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a great story. I'm so thankful that uh, the Sar Shalom came to rescue me. The Prince of Peace came for me to bring peace to my life and peace to my relationships and peace to my future. Lord, thank you for sending him to rescue me. I could not rescue myself. You sent him to rescue me. Thank you for that. Thank you for pursuing us. Even at Christmas, when we think about baby Jesus, Lord, help us to focus on the Jesus that has been since the beginning of time. Help us to focus on the Jesus that, that intentionally decided to come to earth to rescue us. The Jesus that lived a sinless life. The Jesus that went to the cross to pay for our sins. The Jesus who was raised from the dead and the Jesus that sits at your right hand, Father, that's interceding on our behalf, that's leading our church. Help us to remember that there is power available for us that is far greater than any that we can imagine. This Christmas, help us to focus on that. Help us to look for that baby. The baby that was in that manger, the one who came as the savior of the world. We praise you and we thank you for that, Jesus, in your name.